especially for new church plants that are trying to figure out um, or what's mission's going to look like. I think the first step of that is who are we? Mm-hmm. What kind of gifts and talents and heart and passion has God already brought together within our church body? And then try to take that next step to say, well, let's keep this in the same vein. I mean, so church planting is obviously a huge part of LifePoint's DNA. And so to be a part of multiplication um, driven church planting movements around the world made sense. Now, the partners that we do that with do it completely different than us, as they should. Their context is different, their culture is different, but that's something that we are passionate about. That's something that we want to see happen. We're, we're passionate about the local church and what she can do mm-hmm. to bring about change in communities. Um, and so that's always been at the heart. Welcome to the Send Columbus podcast, a podcast designed to share strategies and stories about planting churches in the city. Your hosts are Church Planting Catalyst, Chad Grigsby, and Send City Missionary, Dean Foltz. Welcome back to another episode of the Send Columbus podcast. I'm Chad here with my buddy, Dean. How you doing today, Dean? Doing good, doing good. And as always, we want to thank our sponsor for the podcast. So we'll thank Corner Bakery today. Uh, of uh, Columbus, Ohio, there on Polaris Parkway, um, for uh, for their sponsorship of the podcast today. Matt Bowers is the owner there, and they do a great job and good friends uh, to us. And we have a very special guest. Very special. It's it's hard to overstate how special, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yes, it really. We is. could. You, is now the moment where we build in a bunch of adverbs about how special yes, our guest is today? Exactly. This yep. is an incredible intro. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now, today on the podcast, we are blessed to have Christy Lowe. Uh, Christy is the missions director at LifePoint Church and has helped uh, our church all along the way build, create, uh, enhance mission strategy both locally and globally in addition to uh, helping other churches uh, do the same and super grateful Christy great to have you with us today it's awesome to be here thanks guys yeah good so one of the things that's important to me um, for today's podcast is that Christy be able to just talk with us a little bit about um, why it is important for local North American, church plants to have both a local and a global strategy. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is a local engagement strategy. I think for a number of decades, it was, when we talked about missions, we only talked about international missions. And I think to some degree, um, maybe new church plants uh, were part of that kind of thinking and they kind of soured towards it because it was all international, but then we've kind of swung the pendulum to why it's just, it's so local, which is, Mm. there's nothing wrong with local, Mm -hmm. but to uh, sometimes to the degree that we um, maybe can find ourselves a little bit absentee around the world. And so both of those are important. It's not an either or, it's a both. And, and so I know for us, when we started in 2004, Um, we planned a couple of trips in our first 18 months and, um, uh, they were great opportunities for community building and just to kind of, um, ignite passion in our church for the world. Uh, and it's not easy. Um, it's, I remember 
So we launched in October of 2004 and we built into our budget that we were going to start giving to missions in January of 2005. <laughs> and I remember getting to the end of January and we didn't have enough money for payroll <laughs> and it was time to write the check to our missions agencies <laughs> at 10%. And I, if I remember correctly, our total budget giving in January was, it, it was a little over $4,000 and that was all of our local mm -hmm. giving. So writing a 400 and something dollar check to missions was very, <laughs> was <laughs> yeah. very, very tough. Um, but, uh, but man, God's just been faithful, uh, to us. And so anyway, that's enough, that's enough of us. Um, so Christy talk to us just a little bit about historically what God did in you and then what you since God has done through you to help uh, LifePoint and other churches both adopt a mission strategy that is both local and global. Yeah, and uh, I think you said one part really well, was taking the words right out of my mouth of what I was going to say to answer your question, is it? it really is, it's not an either or type of deal. Um, we are called to make disciples of all nations, and that's going to include locally, and then it's also going to include um, being a part of what God is doing to establish his kingdom around the globe. And so, uh, you know, for me personally, it's funny, those that know me, my story's pretty ironic in the fact that when I was a young follower of Jesus, missions was not something that I was ever really um, discipled in. The Great Commission, I didn't even hear that until I was in college, being discipled for the first time. And the joke was kind of, sure, I'll pray about it, but there was no way I was praying about it because I knew if I prayed about it that God was going to send me. Um, so if that kind of gives a bigger picture of the journey that God has taken me mm -hmm. on from my younger days to today. Um, but yeah, I think when, when I came on board at LifePoint, we started really thinking through how are we going to grow this missional strategy, which had really been present from day one. And so I do think for new church planters that are thinking through um, kind of what is this going to look like? How is our church body locally going to engage the kingdom mm -hmm. and in, in all of these ways? Um, uh, so when I came on, it was trying to figure out, okay, how are we, we going to do that better? From day one, it was a part of the DNA, but there wasn't one person per se or a team of person that that was kind of their committed um, ministry was to really think through and study and talk to people and figure out what's the next step that God has in front of us. And so, yes, day one, it needs to be in the DNA and it needs to be in the vision, but you might also grow into it a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, and so missions had grown to a place where we, we were ready to take the next step. We, mm -hmm. we were no longer infants. We were toddlers. Mm. Um, heading into elementary school, yeah. if I'm going to use the, <laughs> just kind of the, the growing up, um, analogy yeah. there. Right. Um, and so uh, for me, it was just more of, all right, who are we kind of what are the gifts and the talents and the, the vision that he's given to life point? What is God doing here? What is God doing in other parts of the world? And then how are we going to successfully bring those two things together? Mm. Um, not in a way that we're going to impose what God is doing here in partnerships around the world or even locally, because there are certainly several different cultures, even within our own cities. Um, but also just uh, how can we not impose ours on it, but how can we see what God's doing in these other areas and then use our gifts and talents to come alongside 
what they feel like God is doing to kind of push that forward. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but my, my journey into missions was kind of a, a fun ride. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So. Well, first trip, what was your first international experience? My first international experience was probably, it was in college, actually. And it was mm. the same year that I said I wasn't going to pray about going anywhere. See? Because I was <laughs> right, right is yeah. what I was. Uh, and it was to Mexico. It was to Guadalajara, Mexico, um, when I was a freshman at Bowling Green State University. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then go that Falcons. was really, yeah, go Falcons. <laughs> so it was the only... Uh, international trip that I'd taken for some time, really, until I was at LifePoint. And actually, my husband and I went through the process of adopting our youngest son from Ethiopia. So we were off to off to Ethiopia, a country that will always be incredibly special to my heart. Um, and then it was the very next year that he and I both started going on short-term missions at LifePoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, God awakened within us um, something that was much bigger than either of us realized at yeah. the time. So, sure. Yeah. One of the things that you have helped shape over time is um, somehow you helped us find our our best lane yeah. internationally in uh, in church planting and you have a unique gift of, of helping other people to say hey this is the um, this is the river that we're in <laughs> and it's not that other rivers are yeah. bad it's not other creeks are bad or other tributaries are bad but this is this is where we are so talk about how that kind of happened over time yeah and I would say that's probably one of the biggest challenges when it comes to either um figuring out you know what type of partnership are we going to enter into because the reality is I've got people coming to me all the time with different ideas this is a ministry I worked in in this country this is somewhere that we um, have worked with at a, at a church in the past or just somebody I work with this ministry could life point partner and and like you said there's a lot of rivers and the rivers are all awesome mm-hmm. I mean <laughs> that, yeah. that's the hard thing is um, but it really did become apparent over time when we were maybe trying to do a little bit of too much and we were, mm-hmm. we didn't have a river. We didn't understand mm-hmm. what God was doing in us. We didn't understand what God was doing in our people. We didn't understand kind of um, where we could best come alongside other people. So I think for, especially for new church plants that are trying to figure out um, or what's mission's going to look like, I think the first step to that is who are we? What kind of gifts and talents and heart and passion has God already brought together within our church body? And then try to take that next step to say, well, let's keep this in the same vein. I mean, so church planting is obviously a huge part of LifePoint's DNA. And so to be a part of multiplication um, driven church planting movements around the world made sense. Now, the partners that we do that with do it completely different than us, as they should. Their context is different. Their culture is different. But that's something that we are passionate about. That's something that we want to see happen. We're, we're passionate about the local church and what she can do mm-hmm. to bring about change in communities. Um, and so that's always been at the heart. Um, and then as God led us uh, in relationship in some different ways, we actually expanded a little bit. So there are a couple countries that we work um, in, in vulnerable areas, um, specifically to come alongside churches and communities to care for vulnerable children uh, and a holistic community development program. Uh, but again, the church, we've always tried to make the church kind of the center of that. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think it is, what is the river? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a, a new church plant down the road from us may, God may be calling them 
to, to a different river than us. And that's the beauty of the church as a whole, though, is we're in our river, another church is in their river, and then together um, we're doing this kingdom work, mm-hmm. you know, all of us together. So, no, no one church is the Atlantic Ocean. Absolutely. Right? Like you're not, not going to be able no. to do everything. You got to no. stay in your lane. Some churches are going to be called to really, I mean, we're going to the least reached of the least reach, and they have mm. got the, the leadership and the equipping and the passion to really see that through very, very well. And other people are going to come into different spaces where there's deep trauma and refugees and war-torn areas and things of that nature to bring the kingdom of, kingdom of God and the gospel into those places. So it's just, who are you? Yeah. And then what's the best way to to mobilize your body to, to living that out locally and globally. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I feel like is a growing theme um, right now is that um, we're, th- we're thinking kingdom in missions increasingly. So we've talked about, you know, for the last maybe decade to 15 years in the American church, hey, we need to be more kingdom, more kingdom, more kingdom. And I feel like you and others like you have kind of been on the forefront of leading us to think, well, let's think kingdom as we think about mission. And I'm super excited about that and grateful for that because I felt even um, when we were planting, I felt that, um, I felt that drive to be local, to be local, to be local. And if I wasn't careful and if other planters aren't careful, what happens is that local is equated with my the growth of my local church plant, which is not a bad thing, but it can it can become a little bit exclusive of the kingdom more broadly. And I feel like we're starting to think we're we're starting to that pendulum's starting to swing back a little bit to the middle where we're starting to say, okay, look, we can't just be involved locally to grow a church plant. Because God's called us to the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, to, to me, kingdom and missions, local, global, all of that, and the gospel can't really be separated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of what we were commanded to do, not just with Jesus's commandment, but from the beginning, we were to fill the earth, right, with God's imagers and be a part of of establishing the kingdom that he, he gave us to rule over here on the earth. And so I think... Um, you know, it's just such an integral part of who the church is called to be mm-hmm. locally and globally and to be that with one another. And I'll tell you what, missions uh, these days, too. I mean, God is doing such incredible stuff within the local church around the world that it is more so a blessing for us to be able to travel there. And and honestly, you know, we're coming alongside of them, but at the same time, they're coming alongside of us. And we see that so much. And really, when we step out of our worldview, when we step out of our context, when we step out of the life and the story that we've known locally and into the life and story of others, A, we get a much bigger picture of who God is. Mm -hmm. Much bigger. Um, Because, you know, a fish doesn't know he's in water. Yeah. Until he's out of the water, mm-hmm. right? And so and as we leave our our context and we step into it, we learn who God is. We learn so much more about who the church is outside mm-hmm. of our limited view. Uh, we learn so much more about discipleship. I have learned more about what discipleship can and does look like by brothers and sisters around the world than I have mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the reality is there are... 
there are cultures around the world that do community better than we do. <laughs> really? <I don't, laughs> not, really? I'm sorry to break it to you here on the podcast, but they, but they do. We're such an individualistic society mm-hmm. that I think we get to see so much more. Um, scripture comes alive sometimes, you know, scripture was kind of written in an honor, shame worldview. And, mm-hmm. you know, we step into honor, shame worldviews and you get a greater understanding mm-hmm. of just some of the really deep things that, that God has done and is doing through his people. So, mm-hmm. which to me is super fun. Yeah. So in light of that then, so let's talk a little bit about some of the uncomfortable moments along the way. Of which there are plenty. Yeah. <laughs> in, in your journey yeah. of leading a church in a missional direction, in a broad missional direction. Yeah. So one of those kind of kingdom mission moments comes along whenever we go to Uganda mm-hmm. Right, and we sit down with some seminary leaders there, and then we start to engage uh, in reading, right, some things, and we realize that maybe we have created a dependent Mm -hmm. culture when it comes to international missions, and that's a little bit uncomfortable to say. Like, we don't ever want to say we're doing the wrong thing, but. And, and I'm not yeah. saying we were doing the wrong thing. Maybe that's not the, the best way to say that. But maybe there were there were better ways to do we kingdom, learn. right? We learn. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about that, how we've how maybe our mindset has been yeah. changed and reframed a little bit. Yeah, I will say that is probably honestly one of the biggest challenges in terms of discipling the Western North American church and missions is we do um there's some historical reasons for this too, but even today we like to be able to step in and fix things, you know, uh, collectively in North America, we don't love to sit in discomfort and pain very long. Mm -hmm. And so if there's something that we can step in and immediately help to alleviate, um, some of the issues or the problems, we think that that's going to automatically lead to long-term alleviation. Um, unfortunately, oftentimes we find that we actually can create some more long-standing problems um, relationally and just in the in the partnership, um, and sometimes even for them, because we don't understand the context to which we're giving money. So yeah, that is a difficult thing. And so we always look towards every partnership, whether that be in more of a holistic community development or in church multiplication. Um, We've really had to begin um, just that we begin partnerships with the end in mind. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be talked about early and it needs to be talked about often. And I think it does two things. One, it kind of removes us from a little bit of our savior complex that is just reality of North America and Mm -hmm. the culture that we live in. Um, Because we do, we need to remove ourselves from that savior complex. Um, But also as we talk about that with partners up front and from the very beginning, um, I think the hope and the prayer is that we communicate to them that they don't need us Mm -hmm. from the very beginning. And you know, some of the most brilliant teachers and some of the most compassionate caretakers, um, some of the most um, just gifted, loving, incredible people um, are those that we get to partner with around the Mm -hmm. world. And um, I think sometimes we take a step back in an effort to elevate them to 
to encourage them to make their own decisions, mm-hmm. to provide their own way forward. And then we can come alongside of that, obviously. I'm not saying we never give of resources, but we right. do it in a way that is going to lead towards them being self-sustaining without us. Because we've been part of partnerships that a government can change or something locally happens on their end. And all of a sudden, you know, if, if our money were to get cut off and we've created a dependency structure then we have literally left them, the, the ministry dies without us. And that's one of the things we never, ever, ever, ever want to set up for. That was an ever, 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 ever. 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 Well, <laughs> it's a lot of evers. Because it's their ministry, it's not ours. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it should be that way when, when we're talking about global, mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, I think that um, we, LifePoint, uh, our body right now, I feel like, is suffering a little bit from the fact that, you know, international travel has been cut back and we haven't taken <laughs> trips. And we, I feel it a little bit like in our body right now that we've gotten a little bit myopic in our Western view. And I think it shows in how we're polarized in our views about the current coronavirus situation and racial tension and other things. And we're not listening and we're not hearing well. And, I think a lot of that, um, for us, I think, man, we, we gain those skills Mm -hmm. by engaging our partners in another culture where we find ourselves as the minority, as not understanding language, as not having typical American authority and independence and all those kinds of things. And we learn so much. I feel like we're, I feel like we're suffering from that a little bit right now. Yeah, I think I think you said it well when you said, you know, because to engage cross-culturally, you don't have a choice. I mean, you do have a choice, but if you're going to engage well cross-culturally, you don't have a choice. You have to listen well. You have to see what's beneath the surface because behavior does not tell stories across cultures. Behavior doesn't tell the whole story with any of us, mm-hmm. right? But especially across a culture um, that we don't maybe understand fully. So we do, we learn to listen. We learn to be quiet. We learn to seek to understand the deeper things about another person and another culture. And um, I think that's what just needed here now too. Mm-hmm. We've, you know, we need to stop and we need to listen well and, and see what's going on beneath the surface in so many ways. So yeah, I, I feel it. And I just miss people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They become Sel- friends. Selfishly. Yeah. Selfishly. I just miss being able to to see people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so church planters are gonna listen to this. Yeah. And they're gonna they're gonna get to the end and we're getting low on time, I know. Yeah. And they're gonna say, Okay, that's all great, but how do you do how it? Do, what, <laughs> how do I take the next what step? Do we what do, do I what do I do? Like, so can you just yeah. give us a brief overview of how uh how we try, how you try and help churches yeah. execute mission strategy. So I think the first thing is um, somebody just needs to go. And uh, even before we started recording this, we were talking about this a little bit. Somebody just needs to go. And so um, whether that be lead pastor or somebody just on the leadership team or a lay person within the launch team who this is their passion and you see um, definitely leadership potential inside of this um, and contact, uh, contact one of the churches that's supporting you. Contact one of your partner churches within North America and say, listen, we're not at a place where we can maybe devise and unroll this huge, you know, long-term mission strategy, but, but we want to go and we want to learn 
and we want to get connected. And then just ask if you can send one or two people on a trip with them. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the best relationships are always done in the context of, of relationship that, that already just exist mm-hmm. or, um, and so if you can, if you can make contact and just start a relationship, I feel like the rest of it becomes pretty easy because, you know, ministry partners, they're not, they're not projects, these missions, partnerships, we don't go into this with projects in mind. It's always people. And so if you can just, if somebody can get a plane and, you know, we talk about a, a little bit of a, a fourfold strategy here too. And one of it is certainly going, but one of it's welcoming in the U S is growing in diversity every day. And mm-hmm. so really a great first step, maybe just open your eyes to who's immediately around you. And then how can your local church body take a step to love and serve uh, or serve and, and listen to, right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. see those that are in your immediate sphere of influence in a different way. That's, that's a great first step. Yeah. We're, we're blessed here in Columbus. We have a group of uh, Nepalese uh, brothers who came from, uh, came from originally from Bhutan and then were, uh, you know, they lived what, 18 years in a refugee camp in Nepal before coming here to plant and they're wow. multiplying churches, but you know, just, they're super sharp there. Awesome. And I remember awesome. when, um, so we had a van that couldn't travel really outside of local travel and we were going to trade it in and we decided, you know what, um, our, our Bhutanese brothers could use this to go pick up people at the airport and give them Bhutanese blessing baskets that they had for people, refugees who were coming to our city. And so I remember getting on the phone, right, with them and calling, um, calling Beta and Dealey. And, uh, you know, our communication is always, you know, it's, it's not always easy. And I remember saying to Dealey, I said, Dealey, we want to give you a van so that you drive and it's almost like he dropped the phone. Right. <laughs> and he's and they're like, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Yeah. And all of a sudden it got really quiet and he gets back on the phone and he says, we come see van. <laughs> like, like they're sharp. Like they're like, yeah. if somebody wants to give us a van, there's probably a reason. Like yeah. we're not going to yeah, trust that. Like, <laughs> yeah. My wife calls that Jesus junk. You got to be careful when it comes to well, Christy, thank you so much yeah. for, for being on here today. I, a couple of things that, that you said that I thought um, were kind of a theme mm. in, in, in our discussion was how local and global global strategies are really not at odds and they should be leveraged together. Absolutely. And I think when we planted one of the, we planted in a small town in Arkansas, one of the biggest employers in our town and one of the greatest demographics in of our church was the hospital, was healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. And I look back and think we should have leveraged healthcare workers more for global missions. That should have been more part of our mm-hmm. global mission strategy and, and local. But I just feel like we missed an opportunity because sometimes, and we had a great, we had great missions partnerships, but I just think sometimes we overlook who we are, the river that we're in. And we get, and, but it could be leveraged, actually. You know, your local presence, your local people, who God has made you to be, could be leveraged for global missions. And I just heard you say that. I thought that was really good, especially in a global pandemic. You can't, yep. you can't go overseas right now. They do not want you in their country. But you can go somewhere in your city or your region, probably, 
it's like us in our city, you can go find internationals right now in our city. Within an hour and a half tank of gas. You know? <laughs> I mean, really. So I, I just really appreciated that connection that you made. And then um, one more thing that stood out to me was I, I love this idea. I think it's a biblical principle of start small but start now. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we global missions feels really big, yeah. especially if you're a new church or a small church. But I think you gave some really good practical ways of, look, you're not going to conquer the world today, but start small, but do start now. Yeah. Even in a global pandemic, I thought that was a really good word. So awesome. thank you so much yeah, for sharing for those things. Me. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it was good. See, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, was it? Not that bad. Christy, Christy and I are Enneagram 9s, <laughs> so we have a really good time talking about the things that frighten us and <laughs> energize us and things like yeah. that, so... Appreciate Good you being stuff. here. This is much better than going to the dentist. <laughs> right? Well, thank you yeah. for right. that yeah. right. affirmation. <laughs> that, was, that was for you, not from you. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Christy. And yeah, uh, come back uh, next time for another episode of the podcast. And uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for checking out the Send Columbus podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another episode.